growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. I'm tired of making excuses. I'm tired of blaming everybody else. It's time for me to take responsibility and begin to say that I've got to walk by faith or I've got to stop acting like I'm a follower of Jesus. Faith. That's certainly a word you hear thrown around a lot in churches, and it certainly is an important concept for followers of Jesus. But is faith something that's only important when it comes to matters of salvation? Or should faith have a prominent role in every area of our lives? From your perspective, as far as you can see, this is impossible, and you got to choose in that moment. Do I walk by faith, or do I cave in to the fear and the anxiety and the uncertainty or the anger? Do I give in to that, or do I say, no, God, I'm going to choose to believe you. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Today, we're continuing our Christmas series, It's a Wonderful Life. Each week, we're looking at a different character in the Christmas story and an aspect of their lives that made life wonderful. Last week, Pastor Clay took us to the life of Mary and how the surrender of her life to God's will provided a life that was truly wonderful. If we're going to have a life that's not just wonderful, but a life that is wonderful, surrender has to be an essential component in my life. This week, we're taking a look at Joseph. As you'll hear Pastor Clay say in today's message, we don't really know a lot about Joseph. But what we do know is that Joseph demonstrated great faith, and faith is another essential part of a wonderful life. Thanks for joining us. Last week, we looked at the life of Mary and a life of surrender and how that, that is an absolutely essential element of our lives. If we're going to, to have a life that's not just wonderful uh, by the world's standards, but a life that is wonderful, that is everything that God desires it to be, that surrender is, it has to be an essential component in my life, surrender to God and His purposes and plans. Today, we're looking at the life of Joseph, and Joseph demonstrates a life of faith. By the way, as we go through the series and, and we look at the various characters uh, during the Christmas season, you, you'll notice that there's, that there's overlap, that obviously Mary had faith and she surrendered, but she also had faith in her life, and, and Joseph had to surrender. You'll, you'll notice overlap. I'm simply taking this opportunity to emphasize from their lives uh, these components that really have to be a part of our lives if we're going to have not, not just a, a good life here, but a wonderful life. It's the Christmas story. It's in Matthew chapter 1, and we're beginning this morning in verse 18 and reading through verse uh, 25. Hey, thanks for being here. If I haven't said that, really appreciate you coming out to honor the Lord. Let's see what His Word says to us this morning. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, uh, her husband... Being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. 
but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's, uh, let's uh, point out a couple things about this life that Joseph had, this life of faith that he demonstrated, and what a life of faith will do uh, for you and for me. Let's start with this one this morning. A life of faith allows you to do what is right in the everyday things. In other words, in the everyday stuff, the everyday things of life, a life of faith will allow you to do what is right in the everyday things. Again, verse 18, we started this section. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. In other words, and, and before there was a physical sexual union between them. Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. It, it, is, it is amazing to me when I think about it how little we actually know about Joseph. This guy named Joseph. I mean, we really know very little uh, about him as a person. We know that he was a descendant of David, which wasn't unimportant, but it really wasn't that big a deal either because it had been 700 years since David had lived. David had multiple children, so quite honestly, there were quite a few descendants of David around. Like I said, it's not unimportant because it was... Because it was a fulfillment of prophecy. But I, I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, Joseph was lining up to take the throne or anything like that. We know that he was a, a town from a town called Nazareth. And we talked about the insignificance of Nazareth really last week as far as the rest of the world was concerned. We know that he was a carpenter by trade. And we know that he was engaged to be married to a young lady named Mary. That's pretty much it. Other than that, we know very little about Joseph. Uh, he, gets, he gets very little mention in the rest of Scripture. As a matter of fact, after Luke chapter 3, where he's listed in a genealogy, uh, there's really no mention of him again. He's, by the way, he's listed in the genealogy because he was, uh, if you will, he was the legal father of Jesus. He was the adopted father of Jesus, so he was listed in the genealogy there uh, in the book of Luke. There's a couple of mentions of him in the book of John, but always just in reference to his connection uh, to Jesus. But that's it. Nothing about the man, nothing about his life, nothing about the, not a Zippo, nothing else about Joseph uh, do we hear. Even in the Christmas story itself, uh, the wise men and the shepherds seem to get more press than Joseph does. They certainly have had more songs named after them. Tell the truth, how, how, many, how, many, songs, how, many, how many songs about Joseph have you ever heard? I could think of one or two that I, that I could think of that I've, I've heard. Really. I mean, how many songs of Joseph do you ever really even hear? E- even the little drummer boy has his own song and he wasn't even real. We know so very little about this guy. His life uh, was not a life of fame. It certainly was not a life of fortune. And it apparently was not a very long life. Because after Jesus childhood, Joseph's not even mentioned. We hear nothing about Joseph from Jesus' childhood on. And when Jesus is dying on the cross, do you remember if you've read this, when Jesus is dying on the cross just before he died, he basically handed responsibility of his mother over to his disciple John, which must mean that Mary was a widow by then. So he wasn't rich, he wasn't famous, and he wasn't going to be around long. But what Joseph had was a life of faith. And because of that faith, it allowed him to live a life that was wonderful. 
It really was. Joseph is betrothed, is the way the New American Standard, I think the King James put it. Joseph is betrothed to Mary. Now, uh, that's much more significant than, in our culture, uh, an engagement. It's kind of similar, but in our culture, an engagement basically can be broken off for almost anything. You just just, uh, get cold feet, or you find out that that your fiancé is expecting and you know you're not responsible. In Joseph and Mary's case, it's a, and, and some, many of you have heard this before, but it was a legally binding uh, a relationship. They were essentially married. They simply had not come together physically, sexually. That usually took place after the, the, the husband went and prepared a home. And when the home was ready, he would come back and he would get his bride. So that's where they are. They're betrothed. They've had this official ceremony, this service. They've just not had the, the wedding reception, so to speak, the party part of it. And then where they, where they go home to, to live uh, together. The point is, in the midst of all this, Joseph is trying to do it right. He's just trying to honor God with his life and with his wife. The text is clear. Before, and you notice how Matthew goes out of his way to say, before they came together. In other words, Joseph is just trying to get it right in the everyday things of life. That's what faith is Ladies and gentlemen, faith allows you to do what is right in the everyday things of your life. When I, uh, when I worked for the Postal Service many, many uh, years ago, uh, I, I, after I came into a relationship with Jesus uh, and, and began to study His Word and read His Word and all this kind of stuff, I began to look at the, the truth of His Word and uh, I began to read this passage of Scripture uh, that said that a gentle answer turns away wrath. There's a proverb that says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. This is, this is something in, in God's Word. And I, and I understood what that meant, that if, you, if, you, if you're gentle, if you're kind, that, that this principle can be applied and that it will, it will have its effect. And I thought, well, okay, let's just see if this works. And, uh, and I worked at the post service. I worked at the front counter, the window, um, you know, where customers came in. And, and customers weren't always happy when they came up to the window at the post office. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but... Uh, you know, we're second in popularity right behind the DMV. You know, we're just like right there. And uh, customers would come in cause, and they've had to wait in line usually because there's like, you know, 16 counters and, and one, one clerk working or something, you know. So they've waited in line, wasted their whole lunch or they've got a broken package or, or something. And they come and people would just be irate, you know. Y'all, y'all ever had anybody be, be irate at you? <laughs> I mean, just going off. You know, I see Neil shake his head over there. He's a mechanic. He's probably had a few people go off on him before, right? Yeah. And, and so they're just like, <laughs> and so I, I said, all right, let, let's see. If and so I would just try and be, be kind. I would just try and, no, I didn't have anything to do with breaking grandma's package. I hadn't even seen, the first time I was even seeing grandma's package. But I would take, I'm so sorry that, that your grandmother's package obviously is something I'm sure very precious to you and very valuable. Let's get the forms. Let's get started on filling this out and, and, and see if we can get your insurance, you know, da, 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 and I just, whatever. It was amazing how, I mean, you could see. Now, I'm not saying that every single person had, you know, reacted perfectly. But it was amazing how overall uh, you, would just, you could just see anger drain, literally drain out of people. It would just, whew, they'd come down. And I thought, this is pretty good. This stuff, you see, this is what we're talking about. Just, just the everyday things of life. To begin to walk by faith. Now listen, it wasn't about them deserving to me being, for me to be kind to them. Because I, I wasn't even one that caused their problem. It wasn't about, it wasn't about what that I had, I didn't deserve to be, you know, just read the riot act. 
You know, it wasn't about, it wasn't about any of that stuff. It was about, I'm going to walk by faith and choose to believe what God's word says, that if I will treat people, if I'll respond to people in their anger, if I'll respond in kindness to them, that God can use that to begin to, to lower their blood pressure. I might keep them from having a heart attack even if I, just, if I can just calm them down like that. It's just, it's just walking by faith in the everyday things of life. Listen, here's a principle I've got for you that I want you to see up here this morning. Faith does not just believe God for everything. Faith believes God about everything. Do you understand that statement, the difference in that statement? Let me try and explain it to you if you don't. I I meet people that usually have no problem believing God for things. Well, I I just... Uh, I'm just believing God for my salvation. Jesus died for my sins and, and I, I know that I'm saved and God has provided that for me. Or I, I'm believing God for a job. I, I just know God's going to provide the job and his timing is going to be the right job and I'm believing God for it. Or, um, well, I'm believing God for, for, for a spouse. God's going to bring the person to me that he has for me. No, nothing wrong with any of that stuff, by the way. It's believing God for things. You understand? That's fine. That's good. It's just not enough. God doesn't want us to just believe him for things. God wants us to believe him about everything. About what his word says concerning gossip or, or greed or, or uh, lust or sharing our faith or what we do with our money. Or, or what, I mean, you can run the gamut of things to think about. It's not just about what we're believing God for. It's about what we believe in God about. See, I, I think that most people tend to think of faith as something spiritually related. And... and let me put it this way, exclusively spiritually related. In other words, praise God, Jesus died for my sins and I'm believing him for my salvation. I'm going to heaven when I die because he has paid the price. I'm a low down, miserable, wretched sinner, deserve hell, but Jesus died for me. Hallelujah. Amen. Fantastic. It's just not enough. It's about believing him about everything in our life. So on this parent-child dedication, let me take this opportunity to say, uh, Husbands, dads, and not just the ones that stood up here this morning, but all of us that may be one or hope to be one someday. The Bible says that you are to treat your wife better than yourself, basically. That you are to put your wife's needs above your needs every single time. That you are to honor her, that you are to respect her, that you are to cherish her and treat her as a precious vessel in your life. How's it going? (laughs) I mean, that's what, that's what God's word says. It says, it's, it's, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's how I'm supposed to treat my wife. It says that you are to counsel her and guide her. It says that you are to listen to her and respect her. Wives, <laughs> mothers, you don't get skate either. The Bible says that you are to honor your husbands. That you to place yourself under their authority in your home. How are you doing in that area? Is it, is, it about, is it about demanding your right to be heard or making sure that you, that you get, is, is, you understand? This, I mean, that's just the, I'm, all I'm giving you is everyday stuff of life. Hey, uh, kids, children we might have in here, you are to honor your parents. You are to submit to their authority in your life. You are to respect them. How are you doing when they tell you to clean your room or go to your room? Or come out of their, your room when you're 18 or whatever. whatever. How you doing? See, this is just the everyday, everyday stuff of life. It's not, it's not, it's, it's just that. It's just a life of faith. A life of faith. 
And so it's the everyday things of life. Joseph demonstrated that. He's trying to get it right. Let me me quickly give you a second one here. Wait, ask yourself this question. I did want to do this. Ask yourself this question. Am I honoring God by choosing to live a life of faith in the everyday things of life? Now that's a question, parent, not parent, whatever. That's a question that every one of us can and should ask ourselves. And not just once, but on a continual basis. Because, you know what happens? We, we, we might, we, sometimes we, we might draw real close to God. Maybe we have a worship service or we hear a sermon or we read a book. And, but then this happens. We begin to drift, right? It's just life. It's, it's what happens. And so maybe this question we need to ask. Am I honoring God by choosing to live a life of faith in the everyday things of life. Now, if you, if you evaluate your life as a husband, as a mother, as a wife, as a single person, as a person in school, as a person at work, or whatever, if you evaluate your life and you honestly say, okay, I, I, yeah, no, not really. I'm, I'm not doing very good. Let me give you some action steps here. Here's what you need to do, folks. Just admit it. First, admit it. And I'm referring to admit it to yourself. It, you, you just got to say, you know what? Because here's what I find. I find, and I, and I hear this a lot of times in, in, in counseling. Not all the time, but I hear this a lot of times in the counseling. We are just, it's amazing what we can come up with to get out of the responsibility of saying, you know what, no. I'm the doofus head that, that's do it, that did this. This, this is on me. Because like, well, you just don't know how she is. Or, well, you just don't know uh, what, what my boss is like. Or, well, you just don't know. That's not, the point is... Am I living it in the everyday stuff of life? You need to admit it to yourself. You need to just come clean to yourself first and foremost. So admit it. Second, you need to confess it. And I'm referring specifically, confess it to God. Say, Father, as David said, against thee and thee alone have I sinned and done this thing in your sight. Just say, God, I, I, I'm not doing it. I'm not living it out. I, I think about it in certain, certain situations, but I am not living this faith thing out the way I'm supposed to be living it out. Father, would you forgive me? Listen, just come clean. Just confess it. It's not like you find some God there that's going to say, well, I don't want to hear what you got to say. No, he's desiring that we would come and confess our sins to him. And then, and then last, last, just change it. If you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, then you already have the power to accomplish this. Not in yourself, but the power of the, of the living God, the Holy Spirit, dwells within you. So the power is there, but you have to make a conscious life choice. You have to at some point say, you know what, enough. I'm tired of making excuses. I'm tired of putting it off. I'm tired of blaming everybody else. It's time for me to take responsibility and begin to say that I've got to live this thing out in my life. I've got to walk by faith or I've got to stop acting like I'm a follower of Jesus. Okay, real quickly, because uh, we've we're we're, we got to move on. Here's the second one. A life of faith allows you to do what is right in the hard things, in the everyday things and in the hard things. Verse 19 Uh, Watch what happens. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now, I think what what compounds this problem is the fact, I mean, to say it that way, what compounds it for Joseph is that Joseph's trying to do it right. Joseph's trying to live the right life. Joseph's trying to honor God with his life and with his wife. Joseph's trying to do it the right way. Every step of the way. He wasn't perfect, but I'm saying that Joseph wanted to do it. And now, all of a sudden... Mary's pregnant, and he knows he hasn't touched her. Man, does he know it. He's waiting for that wedding day. He's waiting for that. Yeah, and listen, I, I don't, uh, if you go back and you read Luke's account, and we were in, in Luke last week when we looked at Mary, if you go back and read Luke's account, one of the interesting things that you see is that right after uh, Gabriel comes to Mary and gives her the news of what God plans to do, and right after Mary surrenders and says, may it be done to me according to your word. 
right after that, the text and the implication is that Mary left immediately or almost immediately for Elizabeth, her relative Elizabeth's house. That was the sign that Gabriel gave her and said, hey, you know, you think, I know you think it's hard to believe, but listen, even, even Elizabeth in her, in her uh, advanced years, remember that? Even in her advanced years is, is expecting. And the text says that, that Mary left immediately for Elizabeth's house. There's no indication that there was a conversation between her and Joseph before we left. We don't even know if she told her parents that she was pregnant before she left town. But, buddy, when she got back, you better believe the gossip line was lit up, man. When she got back, no doubt looking very pregnant, because she was there an extensive period of time, several months that she was at Elizabeth's house. So she comes back very, looking very pregnant and it had to come as an absolute shock to Joseph. This kind of stuff happens to other people, but not me, not not my Mary. My Mary wouldn't do this. And you know, I was trying to think how 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 did he find out? Well, I know we don't know and it's speculation, but but I began to think about this idea. Maybe Joseph was up on the roof working on that house that he was going to provide for her. Maybe he's building that new house. And off at a distance he sees her coming because there's no, you know, you don't you don't text and say, "Hey, be there in 5." He didn't know when she was going to be back or uh, anything. He didn't know anything. But, but, but maybe at a distance, he's up on the roof and it's, it's a hot day and he's working and, and he's hammering and he looks up and he sees. And, he, and, and you know, when you, find, when you see that one you love, you know him, right? You can see him. And he sees her at a distance and, and, and Mary's coming. And maybe at first his heart just, start, just begins to race because here comes his beloved. Here comes his betrothed. Here comes this one that he's given his life to and that he's going to spend his life with. And, and, and his heart races at, at, at the first sight of her. But as she gets closer... As she gets close enough to see, I, I can just imagine in, in my baptized imagination, I can just imagine that heart that was racing came to a immediate halt. Because up until that moment, Joseph's dreams, we talked about Mary having dreams last week, up until that moment, Joseph's dreams, those dreams that, that he thought he shared with Mary, the dreams that he thought were the same, up until that moment, all of his dreams, all of his hopes, all of his aspirations for his future, and his future with Mary, and wife, and home, and children, and, and the life that they were going to live, all of those aspirations, and hopes, and dreams went flying right out that new window, because Mary was pregnant. That's the hard things of life, right? Isn't it? Hey, it's one thing to, okay, yeah, I know I'm supposed to be doing it in the everyday things of life. I should be doing that. But here it comes. Here comes the hard things of life. Tell the truth. Don't you feel that way when hard things come into your life? Don't you say, what, 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 in, I, I, I don't even understand this. What, what happened? And, cause, and they are coming, right? Hard things. Hard things of life. It's, it's part of life. It's part of what we experience. It's, it's all the, what I love about Joseph in all of this, what I love about Joseph is that he's still choosing to do the right thing. He's still choosing to walk by faith. It's, it's long and drawn. I can't get into all of it. But, but based on Jewish uh, culture and Jewish law, Joseph had the right to have Mary stoned to death and the guy that she slept with. Because remember, at this point, he doesn't know that this is a God thing. He doesn't know. He has the right to have Mary stoned to death along with the guy that she slept with. But he, he is, is he hurt? Un, oh, are you, are you kidding me? Of course he's hurt. Is he angry? I would be. Does he have rights? Absolutely. But watch this. He lays every bit of it aside. Even, even in what he thought was her betrayal, even in her betrayal, he's still putting her first. Because not only does he, does he, he, does, he no, I'm not, I know I could have her killed, 
She deserves it, as far as he knows. Or, or, or I, could, I could just shame her. I can just drag her out. And I can just publicly humiliate her in front of everybody. He doesn't do any of that stuff. It's not about his rights. It's not about his hurt. It's not about his anger. It's not about any of that stuff. He's still putting Mary first. That's a life of faith. Because I'm telling you, there's no other way to explain why he does what he does in the midst of that very hard thing. Why would you do that? Why would you, this person that has done this to you, why would you... Faith, a life of faith allows you to do what is right even in the hard things. Let me give you, real quick give you a passage of scripture. Uh, some of you probably read this story in the book of uh, Matthew in chapter 26. Uh, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he's arrested. Or what, actually, this is the point where he is arrested. He's about to be crucified the next day. It says, then Jesus said to him, to, to Peter. Pe- you remember, if you've read the story, uh, Jesus was praying and his disciples were sleeping. Uh, and, and the soldiers come in and... and Everybody suddenly jumps up and, and Peter grabs his sword and begins to swing away. And, and Jesus said to him, put your sword back in its place. For all who take hold of the sword will die by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot, watch this, I love this. Do you not think that I cannot call him my father? And that he would send me more than 12 legions of angels right now? Dude, get back, Peter. All I got to do is speak the word. You and your little sword. Watch this. How then would the scriptures that say it must happen this way be fulfilled? Do you see what Jesus is doing in that moment? He's choosing faith over his rights, over his protection, over, over this injustice. That's being, he's, being, he's, being, he's being arrested at night, which was illegal. He's done nothing wrong, which is illegal. All, all that he knows is in front of him. But he's choosing the truth of God's word over what he might deserve as a person. He's choosing faith. He's choosing a life of faith in the hard things. Okay. All right, real quick. Let's, let's get to the last one because we want to finish up. A life of faith allows you to do what is right in the impossible things. Now listen, you may, I think that there's a building process here for our lives. Because Joseph was doing what was right in the everyday things, he was able to do what was right when the hard things came into his life. And because he was doing what was right when the hard things were coming into his life, Joseph was able to do what was right when the impossible things came into his life. In verse 20, it says this. It says, But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, it's what God's word, God's word had already spoken it. And it said, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Joseph may have read that passage a thousand times. I don't know. And Joseph, watch this. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. He called his name Jesus, listen, we have moved way past the everyday things. We have moved way past the hard things. We have moved clearly into the impossible things. Uh, in case anybody here doesn't know it, it's impossible for a woman to get pregnant without a man being involved in some way. It's impossible. But I, but I put this in front of you. It's equally impossible for Joseph to believe this if he's not a man of faith. You think about it now. Your bride-to-be has just dropped the bombshell, or however that came about. She saw, he saw her, whatever, that she is extremely pregnant. 
You know you've honored God. You haven't been with her physically, sexually yet because God's word is clear. One man, one woman in covenant marriage. Before you come together and enjoy this beautiful gift called, called sex. Before you do that, before you, before you have chill, all that kind of stuff. You, you, this is what you do. So he's, he's tried to honor God every step of the way. And now she is pregnant. I, I tell you, it's, it's equally impossible to even think that he could do this were he not a man of faith in his life. That's, that, that's the point. If we, if we, I know we've got to close. If, if you walk this way in the everyday things, you're much more prepared for the hard things. And they are coming. We've already all established that. They are coming. And, and when you do it in the hard things, then when the impossible... Because listen, any of y'all... I, I know, you know, maybe not on the scale of a virgin being pregnant, but have any of y'all ever been in a situation where you said, this is impossible? Come on. Anybody ever been in that situation? Where at least for you, in your mind, in that moment... Thank you. This, this is impossible. God, this, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, I, I don't know how we're going to make it. God, I don't, I don't know what's going to... From your perspective, as far as you can see, this is impossible. And, and you got to choose in that moment. Do I walk by faith or do I, or do I cave in to the fear and the anxiety and the uncertainty or the anger, the, the jealousy, the, the, the whatever might be all a part of this? Do I give in to that or do I say, no, God, I'm going to choose to believe you. This is impossible. I don't know, I don't know how this is going to work out, God but I'm going to believe you. That's what it is. So, here's another question maybe to ask yourself this morning. Will I choose a life of faith and let God do the impossible in and through me? Because I can promise you, if you're not in one now, there will come those times. Every day, yep, just making decisions, you know, about how I'm going to treat people or, or how I'm going to, what kind of worker I'm going to be or what kind of student I'm going to be or how I'm going to act towards my parents or my spouse or what. Those everyday things in my life, yep, I've I got I to get a hold of that. And we know those hard things are coming. And, and so, you know, I, I know I need to honor God in that. But there are going to be those times in your life, if you've not already experienced them, there will be those times in, their li- in your life when you say, this is absolutely impossible. I'm drowning. I'm up to here in this and I see no way out of this. And that's when you have to choose. Joseph chose to believe God. He chose to walk by faith. Because God, in essence, said to Joseph, I'm, you know, in essence, this is what he said. Joseph, I, I know this is hard for you to believe, but this is what has happened. This, this is the deal I'm doing, Joseph. And, and no pressure here, Joseph, but, but I'm giving you responsibility for my only begotten son. Because there are people who will try and kill him. There, there, there is a spiritual enemy that will try and keep him from accomplishing the purposes for which he has come. And he's your responsibility, Joseph. You're to name him. You're to provide for him. You're to protect him. And you're to teach him the truths of my word, even as he grows as a, as a child. Now, he was God in the flesh. I know that. But it also says that, he, that Jesus grew in, in, in knowledge and stature of men and all this kind of stuff. So somehow, all of that, Joseph is playing a part in it. No pressure here, Joseph. But you could say the fate of the entire world rests in your hands because he is the only atonement that's possible for the world. Joseph chose faith. It wasn't a famous life. It wasn't a rich life. And it wasn't even a long life. But because he chose to walk by faith in the everyday things and the hard things and the impossible things, it really was a wonderful life. 
Thanks, Pastor, for that timely reminder that a life of faith isn't just about the big things of life. Joseph was already demonstrating a life of faith in the everyday things of his life. So when the hard things came and even the impossible things, Joseph continued to operate by faith. And that made Joseph's life wonderful. What about you? Are you living a life of faith in the everyday things of life? If you will, you will be ready when the hard and impossible things come your way. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.